0: Now I know this to be fact, there are plenty of teachers that are teachers because of their craving for power that happened early in childhood. You want to be the teacher, everyone else must hang on to your every word, even if the people were that collection of stuffed animals. Hey community, I'm Jocelyn Reed, your host, mother, sister, friend, educator, coach, and lifelong learner a super fan of a loving, curious, chocolate-obsessed kid named Zaire, and our giant chocolate Labrador puppy named Hershey. Yep, chocolate is a big old deal over here. Let's have some fun, discover some new ideas and concepts, plant those seeds for the future, and figure out how to nurture relationships with our kids and students. Keeping the bigger picture in mind, we don't teach students for the classroom. We teach them for when they leave it. We don't parent kids for the home but to leave it. Root Words is here to help you have those conversations that are required to prepare them for the challenges and opportunities they are guaranteed in the spaces they choose to grow up and occupy. So let's do this together, one word at a time. Let's go. You are listening to Root Words, the podcast presented by Revolve Learning. The word powerful is defined as having or exerting great force, having great authority or influence, being mighty, having effectiveness, even as a speech or a speaker. We're gonna, we gonna dive right in here. I'm so amped for this topic of being powerful. What is powerful? Who is powerful? When I was reflecting on this topic, there was one essay from Toni Morrison called Stepsisters that came to mind in a collection of her work uh, called The Source of Self-Regard. And it really blew my mind that she had this vivid imagination to Think about a classic Disney movie from a different perspective and even extend her thinking beyond the conclusion of the movie and the moments that we saw. In the story Cinderella, she is forced, Cinderella is forced and enslaved to work and do chores within the home of her stepmother and stepsisters. They are not main characters, the stepsisters, but their role and their participation in the actions against Cinderella greatly impacted her. And Toni Morrison challenges us to think about the people that they would become with that relationship with power that they knew all of their lives and they learned from their mother. What types of mothers will they grow up to be? What types of friends would they be? And you know what I think about? What types of teachers would they be? With that lived experience throughout their lives, what kind of teacher would they be? How would they treat their students? What would their students' experiences be like? What would the classroom culture be like the inner work that they would need to go through in order to unlearn many of the systems and the ideals of power that they have been learning all throughout their lives would be great <laughs> would be great they have a lot of work to do it asks the question the what now because i know this because i've learned this because i've lived through this what now What am I going to do with it now? What does power mean to me now? Sometimes we have a great amount of power by unknowingly participating in systems, actions, or under the leadership of others. And many of us have privilege in power. What are we going to do with it? Chris Emden said the kind of teacher you become is directly related to the kind of teachers you associate with. Now the stepsisters had a friendship. They bickered with each other, but they had a friendship that perpetuated and affirmed the actions that oppressed another person in their family. Having power is one thing. Using it well and for the good of others is an entirely different thing. Knowing when to wield some power could be the most powerful thing of all that someone can do. That changes you. That impacts the type of teacher you are, the type of parent you are. In order to responsibly be powerful, you have to consider the outcomes that determines what type of leader you are. Who is at the other end of the power that you wield? Now, I know this to be fact. There are plenty of teachers that are teachers because of their craving for power that happened early in childhood by wanting to manage and control others. Now, this looks real innocent. (laughs) You want to be the teacher. Everyone else must hang on to your every word even if The people were that collection of stuffed animals. You remember, it took you back, didn't it? The thing is, is that at some point in your journey to self-actualizing your dream to be an educator, there should be a shift from being lit up at the idea of other people following your directions to people being lit because of your direction to go and blaze a path that best suits their lives. This means that you give over that power frequently, to give the practice and pathways for students to figure that out, even in the youngest of grades. If students leave your classrooms only knowing your thoughts, then that doesn't prepare them for when they have to use their own. So when it comes to your students in that one year that you have them, how effective you are as a leader, the opportunities you create and curate for your students directly impact their ability the trust between you and their evolution of skills and mindsets. And that's what it's all about. I want to share this quote. It's one of the most powerful quotes that I have ever heard as it relates to the teacher's role in the classroom. It's by Dr. Haim Ganot. And it says, I've come to a frightening conclusion that I am the decisive element in the classroom. It is my personal approach that creates the climate. It is my daily mood that makes the weather. As a teacher, I possess a tremendous power to make a child's life miserable or joyous. I could be a tool of torture or an instrument of inspiration. I can humiliate or heal. In all situations, it is my response that decides whether a crisis will be escalated or de-escalated. And a child humanized or dehumanized. Right. (laughs) That is so powerful. I printed it out. I wrote it down. It's in several journals. I like to go back and remind myself of the power of the educator. Now I want to share just a couple connections and a couple tips to kind of just aid you in your journey and recognizing your power because only then can we truly turn and then empower students. Everything has to be a through line. There should be nothing that is handed to you, given to you to teach students that you haven't internalized and then put out Yourself in your way, in a way that only you can do it. That is why we're talking about being your authentic self and finding your power because you can't truly do that for students unless you do it through yourself. I want to talk to teachers that are early in their career a little bit because I think that's a sweet spot. (laughs) If you're a teacher that has decades in, you know, this is for you too, but I'm really honing in on my new teachers. Okay. Now, this is a time in your career where you may feel easily influenced by those around you. You are picking up the tips. You may also be hearing and picking up on some limiting beliefs of your students. And if you don't have the mindset and you're not attuned to like really see that and recognize that for what it is, then you can start implementing some of that into your belief systems and your classroom cultures as well. So this is where you start to harness your power. I know. You want your colleagues to like you. You want to feel like you're, you know, you're going along, you're getting along and you're doing what you need to do. And sometimes doing what you need to do feels like you're doing what everybody else is doing, but you have the power to be selective. I'm I'm giving you that. You have the power. You have permission to be selective about the advice that you accept from others. Run it through your filtration system of your own morale, of your own wants and desires for your students, for what's best for them. You can listen to anyone, but those you invest and spend time around adopting their practices, their ideas, that's a whole different thing. And indeed, you can be selective about who you let in. I promise that I am speaking from experience (laughs) in this area. I remember feeling like I had to do what people were telling me because they were saying this is best. And I was just so fearful in that space, wanting to be liked. I felt like I had to earn my stripes with years of experience before I even offered my opinion or before I even just did what was best for my students, my kids. My first couple years, I swear my students were another teacher's classroom culture and language like don't get me wrong the coaching the modeling the role playing all of that was helpful but I never found the power in my voice my perspective my joy factor like what lights me up and how could I infuse that in how I teach and how my classroom is operated so i didn't find my power until i decided to do what most brought me joy in the classroom so i heavily designed my classrooms visually to be experiences in a way that no other teacher was doing. I found ways to incorporate movement, music, media, art, into my lessons. I made the lesson something that I would want to teach, something that I knew would resonate with my students. My classroom management system went from a school-mandated requirement of a color clip chart to a 100% positive reinforcement and, and empowerment system. No demerits, no moving students down, and it worked. The teachers that relied on punitive measures and marking students down, moving students down the clip chart, they didn't quite get it because they've been doing it that way for so many years and they never were presented with an opportunity to learn anything new. Professional learning did not align with that. So once I found my zone of genius, you hear people talking about the zone of genius um, presented by Gay Hendricks in his book, The Big Leap. I highly recommend it. But I found my zone of genius and my classroom became an unstoppable force. Right? That's powerful. It became a great place to be and belong. I even started recording videos of my classroom, posted it to YouTube. They're still there. If you go to Revolve Learning on YouTube, all these videos are there. But I started recording those videos because I wanted to counteract the narratives that I was taught about my students early in my career. That students needed to be controlled. Silent classrooms were the most successful. They were the most praised classrooms. My classroom was loud but I can get the attention of my students in two seconds. We had a mutual respect that we were building together and that made the environment that much more special. The power didn't all rely on me. The power came from what we generated together. For that to happen, in many ways, I had to step aside. I had to shift that power. And then and only then could I empower my students to do the same. I brought the structure, but they set it off. They made it them. They added them. And I needed that in order to feel my best self as an educator. I had to find what I call my power play the thing that I can do that has the greatest impact on both the teaching and the learning. You wanna know what my power play was? I mean, it's not a secret, especially if you go and you watch those YouTube videos, it's all over the place. And it's turn and talk. (laughs) It's something that we all know about, but I do turn and talks. I did turn and talks in one particular way that aligned it to my classroom structure. It aligned to my routines and my procedures and it was peanut butter and jelly course, you can pick any combination of things that would work. And you can even use different combinations at different points in the day that mean different things. Kids love learning structures like this. But I use peanut butter and jelly. It was PB&J all day, okay? Now, I love that I can easily and quickly assign partners. It takes 30 seconds. Peanut butter, jelly, peanut butter, jelly. I'm walking around pointing to different students, assigning them based on in my mind, what would work best for that moment. Sometimes I kept them all day. Sometimes I kept them all week. But they knew how and what to do when those partners were released to speak. So I would pose a question and I would let students know which partner I would want to speak first. You want peanut butters to tell Jelly what that word annotate means and how we use it in math. I would then send them off and they would turn and face each other and share. I would get their attention. Oh, class. Oh, yes. And they will be on it. Back to focusing on me, back to hearing what I have to say now, while they were speaking, I will walk around. I will be dipping in and out of conversations. I'll be making note of a few comments that I want to lift up whole group. I heard you using some language that I want you to kind of share. I'm also listening in for misconceptions, something that I might need to clarify if I heard partners talking about something, and I don't want them to go too far down a path with the incorrect tools. now this relates back to being a powerful educator because. Prioritizing a system like Turn and Talk in this way, they were comfortable because it was a set and consistent structure they knew what to expect it wasn't something unpredictable so they were able to be their full selves within it but it also showed my students that i highly value them having dialogue with each other and that contribution back to our entire classroom culture that meant that they had to know that i value them intensely listening when I speak because I have something I need them to learn, but that they were going to have the opportunity to take that, make it their own, share with someone else on their level, on their age group level that only they can do. And that I then always was going to wrap it all back up and let them share whole group. That was the most important. They knew that I knew that they learned best from each other. And I used to tell them that. I was so transparent about not being an (laughs) eight-year-old. I can only teach how a 20-something-year-old can teach this. They can teach it like an eight-year-old. That is when the magic happened. So it was my power play. If I was talking too long, peanut butter and jelly. If students needed a moment to chat, peanut butter and jelly. Over time, I just started to get the urge of when it just needed to happen. I didn't have it written in my notes. I didn't write it in my lesson plan or something just came up after I posed another question. I'm like, "Mm, let's let's talk about this. I'm going to give y'all a chance to talk about this together and then we'll come back." Paused everything. I threw the rest of that lesson right out (laughs) because I knew that's what was needed in order for students to deeply understand. If you light your students up with your content, but you don't give them a chance to engage with it, how far will it really go? So I ask you, what is your thing? What is your sauce? What is the thing that you would do for free every day? And how much of that is in your classroom? How much of that is in your teaching? If it is not, How can you infuse that thing into what you are doing to where you have the best time doing it and your students have the best time learning it? You have to have a power play. Before you focus on empowering your students, you have to find and utilize your power. I talk about context all the time. It's important for me to challenge educators to think about your lived experience to date and how it influenced your teaching practice and how you flow through utilizing your own power in the classroom. Cause we want educators that uses their power well. And their focus is in empowering others. This goes back to the stepsisters. Some of us has actual colleagues that operate like those stepsisters. They get in these cliques and then they perpetuate these practices that do more harm than good to students. Sometimes we hear a lot like, oh, this just is what it is. This is just how things are done. Just because you see something happening Or have been taught that by veteran teachers or leaders that that's the way it is at the school. If it's not serving your students or you well, that is an indicator to shift. We need to stay in community that will help remind us of our own power, but also the balance of our power in those we hope to empower. Or think about it. Are you operating like the stepsisters. If you are not, then still think about the fact that you have an enormous amount of power being an educator in a classroom. When you have such power and influence, what will you do with it? Even if you've never experienced classrooms like that before, now's the time. If you plan on being around and influencing young people, is the time to learn and focus your learning there i'll say this words have power but talk is cheap (laughs) so if you're just in front of kids and you're regurgitating things that you've heard or you're reading off the script and you're not adding any value to what this means for kids then the teaching and learning can't go far empower through actions, empower through opportunity, empower through practice and persistence to where students can actually utilize their power. Show them what you value by way of what you curate and the conditions you create for them to participate and be and explore who they truly are. That's it. That's it right there which is a perfect segue to go in and talk to Zai a little bit about what it means to be powerful. Let's go. All right, it's Zai time. Hey Zai, welcome back to the show. How you doing? Good. Really good. Really good. <laughs> I was just sick so I'm feeling way better now. Awesome. I'm so glad you feel better. It's the worst when you're not feeling your best. It sucks the life right out of me. Yeah. So, which is interesting because today we're talking about the concept of being powerful. What does the word powerful mean to you?
1: Power over something, like controlling something. So, like, let's say you were a king and you have
0: power over people, technically. Okay, so what does, pow- what does being powerful look like?
1: I don't think you can really look powerful unless you're know, like in a show and you have a super powerful look where you can destroy anything with your fingers.
0: <laughs> okay, well, so like, I understand that because oftentimes we think like superheroes and all of yeah. that, and we see them and we're like, oh, well, that must be what powerful look lo- looks like. And for me, you know, when I think of power, I think of like. What about people who protest they participate in marches you know they're standing up for what they believe in would you consider those people to be powerful as well yes
1: because they could be the people who started the protest they helped bring it all together and they know and like the people who join the protest knows what it's all about and they're technically trying to, trying to get them to do protest about that
0: Oh, right. So they're like, they're organizing it all together. And so they're getting people to join in, which means they are powerful because they have influence over people. And I think it's really interesting that you think of how people impact other people when you think of the word being powerful, like powerful meaning having control, you know? And that's really high on your list when you think of powerful. You think of being controlled or con- having control or influence over someone else. Now, It makes me wonder though, uh, can power in being powerful be soft, quiet, or even silent?
1: No, I don't think you can. Powerful sounds like something loud.
0: (laughs) Powerful sounds like something loud. Okay, well, let's think about this a little bit further then. Can there be actions that can be powerful, but they aren't loud?
1: Yes, yes, there can.
0: Like... Like what?
1: So let's say you're in a school and you have power over students that are younger than you, but you can also treat them with care. Are you saying, hey, you go get that. Instead, you can say, hey, can you go get that for me, please?
0: Oh, so like you're you're adding in kindness in yeah. how you treat other people. So you're saying in school you could have influence over other students, mm-hmm. but treating them with care and respect with also adds into the type of leader you are and how powerful you are. So I ask that because, you know, we've learned about, you know, moments in history where people stood up for their rights and it wasn't necessarily in the big, huge, historic, monumental, powerful speeches and through a megaphone. Sometimes it was, you know, taking a seat at a counter that was not deemed for people of color, you know, things like that. It was taking a seat on that bus, you know, they may not have been loud, but their actions carried a ton of power in those moments. And so realizing that made me broaden my perspective on who and what is powerful. And I think this topic goes really well with Courageous the episode that we talked about in last season, because your actions have power, your words have power. How you say your words has a ton of power, like you just mentioned Mm -hmm. in being kind, right? Right. How you treat people has a ton of power. And it's like you said, when you have the power to influence other people, then you have to use that power wisely and justly, right? Mm -hmm. I talk about this about teachers a lot. Teachers and parents have to give their students and their kids the power so that they can actually try things out and practice, right? Right. So, let's talk about teachers. You have a lot of experience with teachers. Your mom is a teacher.
1: Yeah. <laughs> you teach me. I've been to a um, school i I miss a lot, and I've seen you teach
0: there. Yeah, you've seen me teach. You've been to your school. You've had teachers, and now... I was your teacher for a couple of years, yeah. and now you're getting ready to head back into the seventh grade. You ready for that? Yes. It'll be very cool. But You've had a lot of different school experiences, and so let's make that connection. Do you think teachers have a lot of power?
1: Yes. I think they do have a lot of power because when a student does something wrong, the teacher has to teach them to do it right. The students have to listen and follow what they're doing.
0: So, the teachers have power because, like you said, I know your mindset is, okay, teachers, they have power because they have a lot of control over what happens in their classrooms, right? Right. So, when a teacher is using their power really well, they're doing a great job, what does that look like?
1: It looks like students are having fun and they're happy doing their work. So, I think that students should have many different learning activities they can do. They shouldn't be sitting there doing the same thing every day listening to the teacher talk. Because if that happens, that means the teacher's the only one that has power in that classroom.
0: And what that means for me as a teacher coach is that when teachers take over and they're just talking all day and their students are just literally sitting there listening and they're bored, that means that that teacher hasn't learned how to have a balance of power is what I talk about. They haven't learned how to give some of the power to the students so that the students are empowered to then talk to each other, to share, to participate in activities, and to actually look like they're having fun. Right? Right. Having fun means that you have to let kids talk sometimes, right? Right. You have to have multiple opportunities to actually talk with each other because you don't get a lot of that time usually, right?
1: Mm
0: -mm. Yeah. What do you think about power now? Is there more than one way to show your power?
1: Hmm. Oh, yes. Kindly, nice. I meant kindly. Um, um, you can be loud with it. You can imagine it. Hmm. There's a lot more, a lot more.
0: Okay. So do you, let's talk about you for a second. Because when you think about power, you are talking a lot about other people and how people influence other people do you think of yourself as a powerful person yes like this is being like your authentic self like that being
1: powerful is technically when you are able to be yourself around other people
0: oh okay so you feel like you're powerful because you have you know yourself you know your authentic self and you're able to be that around other people yeah okay got it now, when do you feel most powerful?
1: Probably when I beat a very hard level lim- lim- on one of my video games. When Hershey um does something that he's never done before, and I'm the one that has taught him that.
0: Oh, yeah. That does make you feel like you've yeah. succeeded, right? Yeah. You're like, success. He's done it. Yes.
1: <laughs> he gave me the paw.
0: <laughs> okay. Now, I usually ask you a question like this on these episodes because I think it's important for you know, kids to hear other kids too. Now, if a kid was listening to this and they were having a challenging time knowing and using their power, you know, what advice would you have for them?
1: Um, to be honest, I would say that you don't need power to be yourself and you can always um, make believe and play and find um, ways to be more powerful, like like with your toys. You can pretend Then, when you were more comfortable, you could be that way around other people.
0: And that is so interesting, Zai. So if I hear you right, you're saying if you don't feel powerful now, and you said this, like being powerful, you can use your imagination too, right? Right. And I was just talking about how many teachers who were playing teacher when they were younger, like they would line all of their toys up and they would be playing the teacher in front of the class, but with their toys. And a Mm -hmm. lot of teachers got their start doing that and playing make-believe teacher as a kid. Mm. So did to you hear- Did that? Did I do that? No, I didn't really do that. I was in the class when my friends were playing teacher, um. but you know, I could see it. I saw it a lot. Oh. Like, cause I honestly, it wasn't until on the third grade when I wanted, figured out that I really wanted to be a teacher. Cause my third grade teacher was Miss Freeman. She was amazing. The first class that I had a lot of fun in
1: Hopefully she's listening right now.
0: Yeah, Miss Freeman, what's up? <laughs> but yeah, so I didn't really play teacher, but I know a lot of my friends did. Um, and I know it's really common. Um, and a lot of people say that they got their start that way. So it's just really cool to hear a kid suggest that as a strategy in order to become and step into your own power. That's awesome. We'll round that out right there. We'll end it right there. Thank you so much, Zai, for popping on to the show. You're welcome. Bye! I swear I have such a great time talking to this child about these concepts. But my reflections afterwards, like, there is power in honesty. There is power in persistence and showing up. An open heart is the first step towards finding and utilizing your power. It still is in challenging perspectives. All of that is entirely up to you, though. You owe it to those around you as well as yourself to take action, to have the conversations. This also means that we're working on our self-acceptance, finding what makes us feel the most powerful and figuring out how to empower others to do the same work finding your superpower, but also finding ways that that power can benefit the greater good of your homes, your classrooms, and the communities, the world. Yes, your unique power is boundless when it is attached to others in community. All right, folks, that's it on this episode of Powerful. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope it was meaningful for you. Don't forget, we do have a questions to connections worksheet for this episode. You can find it at revolvelearning.com or in the show notes. If you are here for the first time, go and check out our Path to Meaningful Connections resource. It'll help you warm up your relationships with kids before you hop into these concepts that we talk about on each episode. If this was meaningful for you, share it with a couple people or educators in your life leave a review. We appreciate it. Connect with us on all social media platforms at Revolve Learning. Up next, we have the concept of being free spirited. Being free. I can't wait for that one. I look forward to planting these seeds with you and watching it grow through our kids. I will see you in the next one. Bye.